Backyard Green Films is proud to present this episode of Agriculture with your host, Alara Bowman. Alara and her husband, Rick, travel throughout the land in their teardrop trailer that they have nicknamed Maggie, bringing you stories about their travels and the people they meet. They visit farmers, ranchers, and just about anyone who loves putting their hands in the dirt or their feet in stirrups. For the past three years, they have been filming a documentary about heritage breed animals entitled The Holstein Dilemma, Heritage Breeds, and the Need for Biodiversity. In those travels, they have gotten to meet some very interesting people. Here's one of those interviews. Hi, this is Alara. Welcome back to our podcast. I've been to all 50 states now, but one place I haven't seen much of is New Hampshire. I'd kind of like to change that as it's a beautiful state. There's lots of greenery and deep woods, and it has a wonderfully secluded feel to it as you drive through. We visited in September of 2018. We met up with Emily Chetkowski in the southern part of New Hampshire in a place called New Ipswich, which is right over the border as you drive north from Massachusetts. Emily is on the board of the Equus Survival Trust, a registered nurse, a somewhat retired author of children's books, and is certified in equine-assisted learning. She's also a very nice lady. Just as a side note, nice people seem to be the rule in New Hampshire, at least what we experienced of it. If your mental picture of a New England town is a visual backdrop from the Witches of Eastwick movie, except with kinder people, it seems to be pretty much what we found. It's an absolutely beautiful place. So back to Emily. She's the executive director of Veely Pony Farm, now known as the Newfoundland Pony Conservancy Center. This sanctuary is kind of like a combination of a nonprofit, a horse rescue, a breed conservation support organization, a therapy program, and a public education program. The type of support that Emily is giving to this breed is very much needed for the Newfoundland ponies. This is one of those breeds that's so rare, extinction is actively looming. There are less than 400 of them left in the world. The Newfoundlands are not really ponies, but very small horses, somewhat like the Galicino horses we filmed at Suwanee Ranch in Florida. Both the Galicinos and the Newfoundlands have found a perfect fit in modern times as their calm demeanor and their small size makes them an ideal starter horse, either for kids who want to ride a bit more independently but can't yet get up alone on a larger horse, or maybe for adults who might be a bit intimidated by a larger horse but want a smart and a willing animal to ride. The only problem is that most people don't know about either type of horse, so it's important for public awareness to take hold for this breed to be successful. Emily will tell you all about the history and genetic makeup of this breed in the podcast, but we thought this interview would be a great segue to our trip up to the Mother Earth News Fair in Albany, Oregon this week. The Fell and Dale's ponies were one of the breeds that went into the melting pot that's the Newfoundland pony, and we'll get to see them exhibited next week while we're up there at the fair. Here's Emily and the Newfoundland pony. Hi, I'm Emily Aho, and I'm the executive director of Billy Pony Farm Sanctuary, located in Jaffrey, New Hampshire. And we are a sanctuary for the critically endangered Newfoundland pony, of which there are 400 in the world, um, and 250 breeding age, and 43 in this country. And we, um, we do adoption, fostering, and we are mentor um, people teaching about the breed um, and finding alternative uses for the, 
ponies. And if you want to learn more about us, um, you can go to our website at uh, www.newfoundlandpony.org. And that's us for easy to find. All right, so tell us where you're taking us. Well, we're going to go down and round about and see our ponies. They're all over the place. Yes, we have quite a few. Actually, we have 11 here on the property, but we have 20 underneath our program. So they all have different needs and they're in different places. And we move them around, they come and they go. Um, but it's a pretty fascinating um, life we live here, actually. Okay, yeah. so you say they come and they go. So the purpose of this farm is not just to have the ponies and keep them here forever. No. We have a couple that will stay forever because of their physical needs, and, um, and, but we, we have ones that are going, they go out. So some are adopted, some are fostered. Um, we can't do it all, and nor do we want to do it all. We, we want to pass this on to the next generation and mentor and teach what it's all about because it was hard for us when we started to learn. So how did you get into this? Oh, boy, you got an hour and a half? <laughs> Accidentally. So I needed, I had a Clydesdale cross, come to find out later on, he was a Newfoundland cross, believe it or not. And he was alone, I needed a companion. And I heard about this um, little pony and it was a Newfoundland pony, it was a cross, it was a filly. And I thought, oh, I'll just get a little pony and I won't have to do much with it, you know, pet it, I don't have to train, all that stuff. And I'll get her, well, I did. And I fell, even across, I fell in love with her. And then her family came up for sale. And then I started, I got the woman who had, had them contacted me. So I bought one and it just grew and it grew and it, word got out there and it just catapulted and just here we are. You know, it's unbelievable. Now but, this is not on camera yet, but yep. we have a little interest here. Are they, yes. are these curious animals? Very, very curious. That's the one thing I love about them. So they're very friendly, very curious. They think before they act, which is really bizarre. That was one of the hardest things I had to get used to with the ponies. I still never take it for granted because I think it's dangerous to do. Um, you know, a horse is a horse and something can happen and they can spook, but I've never had that happen. So we take them everywhere. Um, this is one of our girls who will stay. Um, she ended up in rescue with her best friend who is down in the corner, Storm, and this is Missy, and um, they will stay with us forever. They came to us, they ended up in a rescue situation, and the rescue, um, you know, we did a lot of talking, got to know them, and they let us take those two, two girls. And they're actually both pregnant, which we're very excited about. So um, we had a stallion come visit this year, and he took care of the two girls. So it'll be hopefully middle of May next year. Yep. Now they're, they're called ponies, but just looking at them, I've never seen one in person. This looks like a small horse. They really do. And actually in Newfoundland, they didn't call them ponies, they called them horses. So everything was a horse. And pony is a relatively new uh, word for them. But they, um, they run from 11 hands to 14 too. And we have a variety of, of uh, sizes, colors, shapes. They, um, um, a lot of people like them because they have a mind of a horse. We have a, a woman who comes here and does some clinics and you have to go into the stall. The people have to go into the stall with the ponies and she really likes using these ponies because they have minds like horses, but they're not intimidating. And so for people don't, you know, I'm, I don't like to go into a strange, you know, a horse that I don't know into their stall. I don't like to do it, but they're more comfortable going and, you know, interacting with these ponies.
And I look at that at that horse, pony. Yeah. Do I say horse or pony? Um, you can say pony. Okay. Yeah. I look at that pony, yeah. and I think that's a lot easier to get back on if I happen to come off. Yes, it is. Or yeah. if you're in the middle of a field and you find something you want to go look at, you're not thinking, I can't get off of this horse because I'll never get back on. That's right. Pony. Yeah. And very, you, very well formed. And one thing about them, too, is if you do fall off, they're going to wait for you. Interesting. Yeah, and they're going to be like, why are you on the ground? <laughs> but they're, um, they're very careful of their people. And I think that that goes back to um, their survival skills. A lot of their traits go back to survival. And I think at, when they lived in Newfoundland and they worked side by side with people to help them settle the land, they learned that people were good. It was good to be good with people, work with them, and, and, um, and they protect their people. It's, it's hard to explain until you spend some time with them, and you'll see the difference. Any pony that is running wild yeah. on Newfoundland, yeah. it has to be fairly tolerant and savvy. I mean, I, I don't know if, were there any uh, predators that you know of in no, Newfoundland? There, there's nothing out there. So, they, so that was another thing that really helped them along too, no natural predators other than humans. <laughs> so it becomes dependent upon man in some ways for any interaction it might need. Right, okay. And they're just docile, friendly, um, willing, easy. What amazes me is they won't spook and hurt you. If something happens, they avoid you at all costs. You know, mo I know being around regular horses, I had Morgans for a while. If they spook and you're in the way, boom, you know, I mean, that's what you expect. Yeah. They will avoid you, and the way that they avoid you is just amazing. They, at all costs, they will avoid running you over. Now, this, this horse is a smaller size horse. Can this carry a full size person? Mm hmm. Yep. Yep, they certainly can. We have some, I have one that's a 14-1, and actually, it's this one uh, right here. She's, she's a good size one. So 11-ish to 14-ish? Yep. It, the average is in the 13s, like 13, 1, 2, 3, around there is, is average. Um, but they go up to 14, too. And some are a little bit finer boned. Some are a little, little bit beefier boned. They have good bone. Um, but they pretty much have the same, what I call the survival traits to them in their look. So they'll have, if she'll turn around, you'll see that she has a very narrow chest. Um, and people say that that was for heating and cooling of, the, of their organs. You know, Newfoundland is pretty harsh. Um, and the, um, they also, uh, that also helps them to get into tight areas, you know, like dense forest. Um, also, they're very agile. I've heard them described as mountain goats. They can move like a mountain goat. Interesting. Yep. Please tell me about the origins of this horse. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so we've got Fells, Dales, Dartmoor. Exmoor, Galloway, which is extinct, Welsh, Connemara, who am I forgetting, Ariskay, um, Highland. So these are all the breeds that you see in this, in this pony. So when they interbred, really they had to be able to survive the, the climate there and the feed that they had, which was sparse, and um, it's survival of the fittest. Whatever did best survived and did well. They have thick, short, ear, furry ears, they have the narrow chest, they have a dropped um, uh, croup, and they have feathering, and they're just very wonderful. <laughs> and fairly small big, feet, too. The, right? Yes, and hard, very nice feet, very nice feet. Very, very infrequently do we have a chip in, in feet here. Very, very nice. Okay, so this this horse is a mixture of many different kinds of horses or ponies. Yes. 
I could see how that would add that you would have a lot of variation that would pop up genetically over time. Mm -hmm. So do, with most of the Newfoundlands that you have, do you say, oh, I can see the Connemara in that one and I can see, or are they pretty much uniform? They're pretty uniform, but you can pick out a little bit in them, you know, and, and like, like um, some of the coloring, like we have a, one that's got Robicano in her and um, they have different coloring that, that are, you know, went more with one breed versus another. Um, but uniformly is the temperament. That is the biggest thing. And until you've spent time with them, it's very hard to see. It's very hard to know. This one here is a color changer. Um, she goes from dark. She's actually going back into her winter color. She should, uh, she should lighten up again for a little while, um, but they actually shed out a light colored hair. And it's long. It, to me, it's like, for being a spinner, it feels like, almost like Angora, it, the, sh the hairs. And they shed them out. Um, so they start out dark in the spring, and they all do it a little differently. They're not all exact. So she's a, she's a blue roam. And she sheds out that, that white hair until she stays like a little bit blue roan all summer. And then she darkens, and then she's going to lighten up again before winter comes. But it's fascinating. We have one guy. He's, um, he's over at uh, Davis Farmland in Sterling, which is a heritage breed uh, farm. They have about 500 people that go through there a day. It's just wonderful. And they have him there. And he, I never saw a pony change colors like he is. So he's a dapple gray, a dark dapple gray in the winter but he changes all year round. And you'll look and he's got black rings around his eyes, he's got stripes, he's got spots, and it's like every week with him. It's, and so the kids there love it. They're, they go and they take pictures or they draw him and all his changes. But we had so many people say, you got a new pony? Nope, it's the same one. <laughs> no, nope, it's the same one, you know? So that's kind of a unique feature with this breed. Now, you made a statement earlier that Many people might think, oh, that's not right. But in my reading, I actually found a connection to it. So you said that the, there was Clydesdale yep. with yep. your pony? Yeah. Now, this is a draft animal, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So explain to people why this little <laughs> animal is a draft animal and why that might not be such a stretch conceptually. Oh, right. Well, that's what they, when they, they came over from um, the Mount, the Mountain of Mormon ponies that were brought over to Newfoundland over hundreds of years. And they um, didn't fence them out of their gardens. Uh, in, into their property, they fenced them out of their gardens. And so they had community pastures, and pastures that out there, it's a rocky area and it's, they're not great, but they, 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 they interbred. They roamed together and the ponies interbred. And they used them for draft work. And people that I know there said, we all, everybody had a pony, and that's what did their work. You know, they, um, they plowed their garden, they hauled nets, they did a lot of uh, hauling wood out of the, you know, for firewood. And some people say that if it wasn't for the Newfoundland pony, that they would have frozen or starved. And when you look at some of the old pictures, you see them working side by side with these ponies. But it was a very common thing. They were like, not a big deal. You know, there's pony, that was their pony. Now this is also an interesting connection between the sea and the land too, because they used to haul kelp out of the, for fertilizing the fields, is that correct? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Yep, and nets. Yeah, they were very, they're very strong. For a small pony, they're strong. Um, I actually recently, someone told me that they talked to this um, draft horse owner um, who does a lot of logging and he said that a pony like this can do as much as a draft horse unless it's a very large, yeah, very large log, you know, and teams are very good for working. Now, one of the good things about a, a draft horse this yeah. size is that you don't have to feed 
a, a draft size horse, you only have to feed something that's going to really use those resources Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Right? You don't have to. Some, some drafts are one to two bales a day. So you can understand why a draft horse population has dropped. It's in, and also, there's an older generation coming out here. So when you, when you have to harness them and you've got a giant harness to carry, well, not only it, it, it's, they're expensive, but it's a lot of work, and and some people have to have they have step, steps installed to climb up to harness these horses. They're lovely. I love draft horses. Don't get me wrong, but it's a lot of work. These animals are a land race animal, correct? Yes, they are. So yep. tell us about that. So they are they are a land race, and I, I find that people have difficulty understanding what that is. You can interpret it different ways. Um, but what's so nice about this pony is it hasn't been put in purposely into an, a breed improvement program. So they haven't purposely added other breeds to this to um, achieve something that, for a certain purpose. And it's so that it keeps them versatile. You know, they don't hone down their traits and they're very versatile. They can pretty much do it all. So the land race, I mean, it's kind of like, it's hard to find very many of them that haven't been altered. We, we, people, we can't leave things alone. We have to make, we have to improve all the time. But this is pretty great and they haven't improved it, so. You say, I want an improved breed because that means I'm getting better things. Why is that not a better thing always to have an improved breed? Hmm. Well, because you, the, you tend to breed to the market. And when you take, like say we took this and we bred it for um, just for jumping, like hunter jumper, yeah. right? You're going to breed for more forward, scopier, jump higher, go faster. And you, you're going to lose all the other traits. It's traditional use. And actually, it hones down their ability. It's kind of like us. When you think about our descendants and all the things that our family members did over time, like, like you know, farming and all of that, and we don't do that anymore. We don't know how to do it. Yes. So to keep it diverse is the most important thing. Yes. It's, it's diverse, and you don't want to make it ruin that. But you also don't want to add outside genetics. That could be harmful. One of the first things that seems to go with the, with the early breeds is when they start doing that is um, their temperament. And when people ask me what's the most wonderful thing about that, it's number one, temperament, yeah. the mind. They think before they react, yeah. which is mind-blowing. Really but they would have to over time in that environment in order to be able to really make it. Because if that's they were right. the one that got tossed, if they didn't think, how do you make breeding choices as to which one you're going to breed with which? Because that's sort of the nature of the thing is that we're not improving the breed. I'm assuming that you're going to try to match the characteristics of the breed, but that's got to be tough when you have to actually choose a horse to come in. What are the criteria yeah. you use? So this few ponies, you don't we don't call anything. So if you have something that's greatly, you know, it's very ill or has some born with some genetic, some defect, you, you're obviously not going to continue that. But we don't call. We don't breed for one thing over another. Um, we try. We need to network with uh, all the other pony owners and know what's out there. The biggest thing is to register the ponies, and that's the most, because there's some that, that people don't do that. And then, then their descendants don't get registered. So the big push is for registration. Right now, the Newfoundland Pony Society has free registration, which is wonderful, on a grant. So we have to network, and you have to use your head, and you have to learn who, who do you listen to? Who's going to give you the right advice? And that's a challenge. Am I concerned about this breed? Very much so. Do I think it's always going to be the same? No. I don't. And so I think that we're pretty lucky to have the real thing right here. In terms of registration, what's the process that you go through? So you pull hairs and 
Um, you send them into, first of all, you write to the registrar and you fill out an application. You can do it online and they will send you what they call a kit and it's a mail-in form. Um, so they've got your information and you pull some hairs at the end of their mane, the short part of their mane, like 50 of them. And when I first had to do it, I thought, that must hurt, but they don't really care at all. <laughs> so uh, then you, you send that out to the lab that they use and they, it's parental match. Everything has to trace back to Newfoundland, where they start the foundation breed, and then they go from there. Mm -hmm. So that's the foundation stock concept. Mm -hmm. It has to match whatever the origin of that breed was. Yes. Interesting. Okay, so then do you do DNA testing as well? Yes, that's it. What's the it's, purpose of that? Well, that's, that's it, to test it. The DNA testing is with the hairs. Um, that's how they do that, and they check to who, who they are, what descendants were. So, you know, when you've got numbers this low, the last thing you want to do is add in a, a blood from a modern breed because you risk adding a lethal gene. And with 400 ponies, they're not going to survive that. And that has happened. Historically, I don't want to talk about specific breeds, but that has happened. And people were in a hurry um, to grow the breed quickly. And they said they added this and then they grade up and then it's okay at seven eighths. And, but you don't know what you're actually adding. We can't tell. Um, and you put a lethal gene into something like that, and that's it. It's hard to get out. Mm -hmm. You can't. It's yeah. hard to get out of yeah. these huge breeds. Yeah. You know, so uh, this is why I say, you know, it's such a risk. Yeah. Yep. Now, you've worked in, in partnership with them on a couple of topics. Tell me about yeah. that. So a couple of years ago, I got a call. Well, right after we moved in, it was the winter. I got a call from a conservation, the head of the conservation, which is a woman named Carolyn. And she said, hi, I'm Carolyn, da-da-da. And she said, I had this idea. She goes, and I was thinking about your breed, and I was thinking about conserving land and open space and endangered species, and she said, it dawned on me. What happened to them was loss of habitat, and that's exactly what happened to them. And it fits in with other species, other wild, wild species, and endangered plants as well. So they wanted to work together with us to kind of tell the story through them, using them as the medium. Everybody loves ponies. They love to come, they want to pet the ponies, and while you're talking to them, you can say, yeah, and this is why we need open space, and da da da, -da. It's wonderful. All ages love these ponies. Um, so we formed a little partnership, and we have, um, we've done a couple little, um, uh, I think we had a Earth Day, we cleaned up with ponies. They carried bags on their back, cleaned up a, a conservation woodland that's for children. Just like old times for them, huh? Yeah, exactly, and they were happy as can be, and... <laughs> And that's how they pee. <laughs> you have Just more like, than one shot like yeah. that. <laughs> and um, so we actually last uh, Memorial Day had an uh, like an open a barn, and the conservation commission came. They brought endangered um, plants. They brought all kinds of literature. Uh, we had a few other groups that came, and it just started to grow. So this one coming up in May, which we hope to have the two new foals for, which is kind of funny oh, that it filled that. Yeah. yeah, we have a lot of plants here with them. In fact, we need to have a meeting pretty soon about that, what we're going to actually have. But I know Fish and Game was interested in what we were doing. Uh, there's all so sorts of conservancies and, um, you know, uh, programs in this state that now connect with what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So we're working on that and we're going to, and we're going through that to teach conservation. Our community is really important. So yeah, we're a rescue, okay? But we're not a, here, I've got a horse, we're gonna fix it, you buy it, take it home. We are helping our community. And 
the community in turn helps us. Symbiosis, it's a very good thing. <laughs> I, I love strategic partnerships that accomplish more than one thing at a time. So the town wins by having open space under conservation easement. You might win by having a tax advantage, but also by a social and an area of social importance that's important to you or a, mm -hmm. a nonprofit cause, obviously with the horses themselves. So, so there are multiple avenues of just that bring you joy that say, we all win here. It's the truth. The mountain itself, that's a huge um, you know, conservation area. And it's been, it's one of the most, um, I think it's like the second most hiked mountain in the United States. There's some controversy about where, some say the world, but I think it's the United States. And this is, the people that visit here, there's a lot of them that come here all the time, but it's, it's a beautiful uh, mountain. It has a history too. So when they settled here, there were wolves. And so they thought that the wolves were all denning up there, so they burned the mountain. So if you notice, there's no trees or anything towards the top. Yeah. That's why. That's what happened there. So, I mean, it probably wasn't the best approach, but we don't know how life was back then. Yeah. You know, yeah. I read a story of someone had uh, wolves trying to get in to the house through the fire through the chimney hole. Wow. A mother and children. Yeah, and it was pretty amazing. Mm. So there's all kinds of history here. There's all kinds of conservation land. A lot of people flock to this area because of that reason. And the people that are around here are conservation and preservation minded and philanthropic. There's a lot of them. Mm -hmm. That's a nice thing everybody wants. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe. This is how we keep going. And please tell your friends to join us. Please feel free to post any questions or comments that you might have to our social media sites. Our Twitter feed is at Backyard Green Films, spelled B-K-Y-R-D-G-R-E-E-N-F-I-L-M-S. Our Instagram is at Backyard Green Films, B-A-C-K-Y-A-R-D-G-R-E-E-N-F-I-L-M-S. Our Facebook is Backyard Green Films. Our YouTube URL is youtube.com Backyard Green TV. We'd like to thank Emily for having us out at her farm today. If you'd like more information, please visit their website at newfinlandponies.org. You can also find out more information on their Facebook page at Newfoundland Pony Conservation Center. You have been listening to Agriculture with your host, Alara Bowman. Please tune in for more upcoming episodes from our travels. We'd also like to thank our producer, Michelle Council. I'm Rick Bowman, your behind-the-scenes editor. Until next time. This has been a presentation of Backyard Green Films Productions, all rights reserved, copyright 2019.